0: Hey guys, we've got some bonus history for you today. Sometimes when we're recording the podcast, uh, we end up recording for way longer than we're meant to. And it's the case with this episode that we were recording for an hour and a half. And Kieran was telling me this incredible story that we just couldn't quite fit into the original podcast. So we're going to share it with you now and we hope that you enjoy it.
1: The US and syphilis. The U.S. is actually responsible for two of the most infamous incidents in the history of syphilis. Yes,
0: because when I asked you to come on the show, you're like, I have a st- like a 20th century like syphilis story for you, and yes. like you guys are to blame for it.
1: Yeah. So and this so, is, what,
0: so what did we do that was terrible? This is
1: actually something it's surprisingly relevant today because it still affects a lot of people's attitudes, and in fact, it's. It's one of the things that people involved in, uh, if you ask someone in the American black community, like, why don't you trust the establishment? This is something they'll cite. They'll all talk about Tuskegee.
0: Okay, so, so tell us about Tuskegee. Yeah.
1: So Tuskegee is a small town in Alabama uh, with a university. Okay. And in 1932, the university recruited 600 poor black laborers for a medical study because they wanted to study the long-term effects of syphilis. And they tested the 600 men, and 400 of them did have syphilis. And their plan was, we'll study them for six months, then give them the best treatment available, and, uh, and study how that affects them. But it did start to go wrong almost straight away because the guy who came up with the study, he wanted to be completely open about it. And the university went, no, if we tell them they have syphilis, they'll just all go and get treated straight away. So, so they, they lied to them and didn't tell them.
0: So they just said, so what, I don't understand, like, okay, we're going to study you even though you don't have a disease? Like, what, what was their line for that?
1: They They fed them, their main cover story was that they were just studying the general health of the community. Okay. And they're saying like, these guys, you're helping us find the diseases that are going around in your society and you're helping us treat the people of Tuskegee better.
0: Oh, that just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay.
1: So. It gets worse. Yeah. So the guy actually who came up with the study, he resigned over that, but the university took it over so at
0: what what point did he resign was it like at the end of the six months or something
1: uh pretty much very early on um just because just like the, the whole deceiving bit didn't sit well with him so he sort of stepped back from it but at the end of the six months they gave them the best treatment available which was mercury ointments
0: but they had penicillin at that stage, didn't they?
1: Uh, they didn't have, no. Okay. They didn't have penicillin. They, they hadn't established penicillin as a syphilis treatment. Okay. So that was, Uh, they hadn't really got effective penicillin at that point. They knew penicillin existed, but they couldn't sort of like mass produce it. Okay. So. And they, they, they certainly
0: them, weren't going to use it on the African-American population. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So they gave them the best treatments they had available at the time that were cheap uh which was the mercury ointment and an arsenic bismuth injection that was an attempt to kill the bacteria through increasing your system toxicity it was not i mean it was probably worse for you than for the bacteria so Mm. never really worked that well and this was like this they basically find these treatments didn't help the man. And that's the point at which things really start to go off the rails because at that point the university made the decision that okay, since they still have syphilis, we're not going to tell them and we're going to continue this study indefinitely.
0: (sighs) Our listeners at home cannot see my face. It is one of disgust and shame for my country. Okay, let's keep going with this fucking train wreck.
1: (laughs) So They, not only did they uh, try to not tell the men they had syphilis, they tried to make sure that the men involved didn't go and get any outside medical care. They basically said to them, okay, if you go to another doctor, we're going to stop treating you. Uh,
0: Because then you wouldn't have a control group. Yeah.
1: So, but despite that, uh, 250 of the men volunteer when world war 2 broke out this is about so this would be america so about 9 years after the study had started so at this stage like it's been going off the books for about 8 years these men went and enlisted in the army and as part of that they had a standard sti test now the american army was actually fairly enlightened and smart about syphilis and stis in world war 2 mm. they Basically just gave out free unlimited condoms to the men, no questions asked. And if you had an STI, the doctors, the army doctors had to treat you under complete anonymity. So, and they visit, they said like, we don't want any stigma because we want people to come and get treated. Yeah. But in this case, these men were told, okay, you have to go and get treated before you can join the army right because and so a lot of them did go and get treated then but there wasn't really any effective treatment available then anyway so
0: were they then so but they were told that they had syphilis yes so did they go back to the university and say like why did you lie to us
1: uh, apparently not i think most of them just thought oh the university must not have known about this yeah. so and in fact uh, there are some stories that And again, it's like they weren't keeping detailed records on this for obvious reasons. Yeah. But there are some stories that some of them went back to university and the university told them, like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Don't get treated. So,
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. So how how long did the study last?
1: So after the war, so by 1947, post-World War II treaties Based on the experiments the Nazis had carried out in concentration camps meant that by this stage the study was illegal under international law. Plus penicillin by now- had been, we'll get back to that, but penicillin had been demonstrated as an effective cure. Okay, uh, so
0: clearly the university gave them penicillin and then shut down the, shut down the study. That's, that's the end of it, right? That's no. what happened? No. God <laughs> damn it. Kept
1: monitoring them, kept on going uh by the mid 1960s because the really terrifying thing about this is this was a secret from the general public this was not a secret in the medical community
0: and how did they not get shut down
1: well because people didn't care enough and there was like at the time they were put there was no general definition of ethics this is actually responsible like the tuskegee study is responsible for the official codifying of ethics for research in america this is why they have ethics boards now is because of this people, one study yeah and because people got away with this so like th- they were publishing their results like it was in a fact it was in the mid-1960s that they published their results in a medical journal and one doctor did write to them going you have to shut this down. This is horrible. And they ignored him. So uh, so the CDC, who were running it at this point, made the official decision that's recorded that the study would continue to completion, which meant until all of the they men died. were dead and autopsied. By that stage, three quarters of the men were dead. Ninety percent of those who survived had actually been treated with penicillin and didn't have syphilis anymore because they had found it like they were most of them were the men who had been tested during World War two and mm. had known that they had it so but three quarters of them were dead uh The guy who wrote to the uh now he wasn't the only doctor a lot of doctors did complain to their credit but the establishment made the decision, no, we're not going to do anything. So one of them decides, okay, he went to the press and he got it published in the newspapers. And at that stage it all, it did all break loose. So, And at that stage they did have to close it down because there was a huge public outcry. Now this is right around the time of uh, black civil rights marches yeah. and so on. That, that sort of thing was still ongoing. So The climate at the time, this burst like a bombshell. The idea that this was going on, that this was the level of regard. This is right around the same time that you're hearing stories about uh, airmen being deliberately exposed to radiation and so on. So, yeah, and you've got the whole counter. So, like, this was definitely the best time for the public to react to it, but huge thing. So class action lawsuit... Against the the sued, they were sued and they won nine million dollars for the men and their descendants. But at that stage, out of the 400 men, this is maybe 30 years later, and they were all like fairly young men at the start of the study. Yeah, uh, 74 of them were still alive, (laughs) 128 of them had died either directly or indirectly as a result of their syphilis. 40 of them had infected their wives and 19 children with congenital syphilis had been born as a result of this study. So... uh, As I mentioned, this is still a huge example of why you can't trust the establishment to an awful lot of people in America. Yeah. And it's just sort of like because said this was known, this was written about. There was an official government department that made the decision, we're going to let these people die of this.
0: And it's amazing that like, like obviously like growing up in the States, they teach you about the civil rights movement. Mm. Um, and this is this was just, this was the first time I had ever heard of this mm. when you brought it up. And I just, it just shocks and like disgusts mm-hmm. me that this could have ever have happened, and like I know that our government has done far worse with <laughs> <laughs> with the African American community. But I just there's just something about lying to a community and telling them that they're healthy, yeah, I mean, and it, having this going on in the background. And even when they do get tested, and it's shown that they do yeah. have syphilis or whatever else, and they come back, and yeah. the university are just like what. So We're just going to uh, keep going with yeah, the study. At least they
1: didn't give them syphilis, though. Do you want to hear about the time that the U.S. government gave people syphilis? Oh, <laughs> do we have to? Yeah. Okay. So this actually only came out in 2005, and this was the result of a researcher who was investigating Tuskegee and writing a book about it, mm. and she came across these documents and immediately went, okay, no, I'm writing a book about these instead, because this was mega So this would have been 1946 to 1948 in Guatemala, which at the time was occupied by the U.S. Army post-World War II. And this was around the time that penicillin was coming into effect as a cure for syphilis. And a group of U.S. doctors there decided that they needed to test the efficacy of penicillin. And the easiest way to do that was to give people, make sure people had syphilis by giving it to them and then treat them with penicillin to cure it. Now, this.
0: (laughs) I just need to put my head on the table for a minute. Okay, go ahead.
1: The scary thing about this one is this is exactly the same time as like this study is starting right when the Nuremberg trials are going on. Yeah, And it is fairly clear from the documents that this researcher found that they were aware that what they were doing was completely illegal, which is why it was all buried and not dug out for 60 years. But, uh, yeah, they... uh, And this was actually... It's kind of interesting, is that... So they did this in a Guatemalan prison. Uh, A bit earlier, there'd been a study being done with uh, gonorrhea in an American prison. Uh, but in that case, the prisoners had all been volunteers and uh, they got time off their sentence and it was gonorrhea. It wasn't as bad a disease. And they just and it, it was all done in the open. Now, these doctors wanted to do the same study, but knew that they wouldn't get away with doing it with syphilis in America. So it's just like, well, we're in Guatemala. We've got a prison. Why not go for it? So they infected around uh, 1,300 people with syphilis. Uh, I, some of them they infected clinically some of them they just brought prostitutes who had syphilis into the prison and uh, and just passed it around the prisoners that way and out of the 1300 they infected they treated about half of them because it's not scientific if you treated them all you have yeah. to have a control group oh. yeah <laughs> so they closed this down because Basically, the reason they closed it down in 1948 was because they were terrified they were going to be exposed, but they were convinced that, oh, we're doing the right thing by this, we're advancing science. and ugh.
0: But the Germans thought that too.
1: Yep. So, now both of these studies, US presidents have apologized for. Bill Clinton actually apologized for Tuskegee in 1997. And President Obama apologized for the guatemalas incident in 2010 i think Mm -hmm. there's actually still a lawsuit going on among the descendants of those men against the u.s government though uh the position of the u.s government is it was abroad you can't sue the government for things they've done abroad if you start that then if you start suing that then who knows what will happen yeah but uh yeah
0: to Kiron and um, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next month. Thanks, guys.
1: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.